The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. In today's episode, we have the privilege of hosting the incredible Laurie Benson. Now, Laurie's the author of the award-winning book, Leading from the Feminine, a speaker and a somatic awareness coach, and her work continues to evolve as her awareness expands. From her beginnings in climate change to founding an organization supporting women in agriculture to where she sits today at the intersection of embodiment, trust, and deep knowing, Laurie holds our shared humanity at the center of everything that she does. She opens the door to opportunities that break down existing paradigms and help us to move through the world guided by our deeper wisdom and the truth of our interconnection. So I think you're going to enjoy our conversation today because Laurie brings a unique perspective to the table, emphasizing the importance of understanding our bodies and the impact they have on our connections and our conversations with others. In today's conversation, we go deep and we discuss the idea of holding space rather than always resorting to action and kind of activation as a means of, of bringing change and transformation to the world. And Laurie's work primarily focuses on creating opportunities for women with a strong emphasis on retreats and online communities. She shares how women have the power to heal the waters that flow through them and in doing so, contributing to the healing of the earth itself. Her recent expedition into the Ecuadorian rainforest ignited new perspectives for her work, exploring the deep connection between women, consciousness, and water, as you're going to hear. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation because it's definitely one that sticks in my mind, really, because Laurie delves into the profound impact that our thoughts and words have on our well-being, but also the effect they have on our ability to bring about soul-deep transformation. She shares insights gained from a time spent with the Sapara and Atua tribes in the Amazon, where she experienced firsthand the transformative power of water. And you're going to hear how her work extends to the connection with the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, symbolizing this balance between masculine and feminine energies and how we have now arrived at a critical point in this prophecy, just kind of poised to restore this much needed equilibrium between these energies and create positive change in our world. So get ready to explore the incredible power of our bodies, the healing potential of water, and the imperative of restoring balance to our world. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Laurie Benson. Hey, Laurie. So excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jane. It's wonderful to be here with you again. I, <laughs> I love what you do. So thanks for having me. And I love what you do, which is why we're going to be talking about it for our audience today. <laughs> and of course, this is not your first rodeo with us, right? This is one of our encore, because um, you were so great last time. I just wanted to bring you back because I know how your work is evolving in ways that I would say the world really needs. And that's yeah. why I wanted to bring you back so we could really deepen our conversation and really share with all of our listeners exactly what it is that's going on for you. So I'm going to start in a way that I always do. And it'll be the same question as what you had last time. But I'm really interested to see what kind of bubbles up for you this time, which is, you know, our audience have just heard your professional bio. 
But there's always like a human, a real life, authentic human, a soul, if you like, that lies behind that bio. And I'd love you just to kind of walk us through a little bit about, you know, who is she that lies Mm -hmm. behind the bio today? (laughs) A work in in progress, always. (laughs) I hope I'm always a work in progress and there's always a continuation of learning and and growing. Um, yeah, I know that the last time we talked, we um, dove into the prophecy of the eagle and the condor, and that really is still um, the driving force behind my writing, my intention, um, the, the lens through which I see the world. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's been a huge part of my life since 2012 when I first learned about it. And I think that the beauty of any prophecy um, is that it takes us to a certain point and then the responsibility is on us, right? Mm-hmm. It has, we've been shown there's a certain opportunity in front of us that the world will transpire, things, act, events will transpire in a certain way. And then it's an enormous invitation. Mm. How do we step in? How do we participate? What does that look like? And um, Mm. yeah, I think that is and has been um, how strong and great and huge influence on on what I do and and what I choose to focus on and how I move through the world. Mm. So I do want to ask you what it means to you. But before you do, before you answer that question, I just want to share a little bit of my own experience in a way, listening to you talk about the prophecy last time, because it I felt detached from it then. Mm. I felt like it was a great story, a great narrative, a great vision for what potentially could happen in the world. Today I feel differently. Mm, today like I, I today I feel like it's alive, it's inevitable, it's here. And that threshold you just mentioned, where there's a time with prophecy where we have to, or we're kind of invited, let's not say have to, we're invited to make a decision about now that we know what will we do differently mm. I feel well, that's where we are and mm-hmm. so I just wanted to set that contextually because that it feels different now than it did mm. you know those few years ago when we first talked about it and talked through it now it feels like it's here and it's inevitable and it's inviting us to kind of question so now what and mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. But before we do, that original question of mine, like, what does it mean to you, this prophecy, Laurie? Mm. So should I share what the prophecy is for those yes, who, don't, please do. who haven't? Yes, please do. Because <laughs> yeah. we, who who, we've gone through COVID since then. There's been a That's lot true. <laughs> happened since the last time. Um, I actually have this strong visual of sitting in a little place in in. Santa Fe and being on the call with you for that last time. And it was just as we were entering into COVID. So it's been a while. Um, So the prophecy of the eagle and the condor comes out of the Peruvian Andes. And it shares that the eagle and condor used to fly together in harmony and balance. And the eagle is the masculine, the industrial, the mind. And the condor is the intuitive, the feminine, the heart. And they shared, the prophecy shares, that in 1490, we would enter a 500-year period where the eagle would overtake the condor almost to the point of the extinction of both. So in 1990, we entered a time of possibility, right? That invitation to step in to our work, our intention, our own personal um, commitment, to return 
to a place of balance with the masculine and the feminine. It's not man and woman. And it, it's, we all have the masculine and the feminine within us. So the work begins with an inner balance and an inner harmony. Um, and I, I love that you shared that it's much more um, relatable and personal for you now. Because uh, we are very strongly standing in this moment. Um, and for me, I try to remain grounded and centered and embodied in this knowing that we are in a time of possibility, right? I call it the time of the condor rising. And this is a really important time. And while it feels like we're at both ends, the extreme point of that prophecy, almost at the point of extinction, as we watch everything happening around us, I really believe that we are actually almost at that point of balance, that we're, you know, we're close instead of far. And because we're so close, everything that we know that was, ex that everything that exists today from our education, religion, um, governments, everything, corporations, it was all created solely in the evil, um, void of that condor wisdom. And so the invitation, the reason I hope um, that it feels so relevant right now is because there's this deep awakening happening in so many of us where we now maybe have um, a deeper understanding or we've, we've had a glimpse of how we participate. Mm. And I, I'm hoping that we are actually standing at a point in this prophecy, at a point in time, at a point in all of our um, kind of trajectory in life where many of us are now saying, instead of, I don't know what to do, right? That, that we're coming out of that sense of helplessness and into a deeper commitment to, I'm gonna do it and I can do it right here, right now. And that to me is, um, where I currently exist within this potential and invitation. Mm. I love that. And I love the way you speak about this because it's almost like as you're speaking, I'm not just hearing you, I actually feel you mm. as you're talking, which is just lovely. Now, in your book, Leading from the Feminine, right, you say that change is the greatest gift in front of us right now. Mm. What do you mean by that? Because it feels like these two things are kind of intersecting in a way. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, my husband always says people aren't, people want change, but they're afraid to be changed. And he's constantly reminding me of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but I think that's, I think there's so much truth to that, right? It's, we want to see change happen. Um but to change ourselves is, is scary. It's frightening. Mm -hmm. And so our ability to understand where our fears are getting in the way, where we are, um, I guess, our own greatest barriers, that is the, when I say that, you know, change is the greatest gift in front of us right now. It's, I believe it's one of the most powerful invitations. How do we, see clearly the change that needs to happen, see our role in this journey, the gifts we are here to bring, and allow ourselves to be changed in a way that kind of cracks us open and allows it all to flow and allows us to release that fear that's keeping us small that's keeping whatever needs to come out, whatever's trying to emerge, whether it's wisdom coming from, you know, the trees or the divine or whatever, whatever you call that your point of connection, your point of that flow of consciousness. Um, we're all connected. And I think giving voice to what we know is trying to come through right now giving voice to 
before that point of disconnection of the eagle and the condor when they flew together in unity and balance and harmony, that wisdom is what's trying to emerge right now. So allowing ourselves to let go of the fear and give voice to that wisdom trying to come out, that to me is the change that is the greatest gift for us and for all of humanity and the planet. Now you said some really important things there. So I want to unpack it a little bit because you began by saying how you see the changes in front of us now. Mm-hmm. And you talked about our our source point connection, as I call it, you know, that that connection internally to the divine or something greater than ourselves. It could be God, whatever we name that to be. But it's how kind of our soul speaks to us and, and, and moves through us, gives us expression mm-hmm. for a deeper sense of vitality, a deeper sense of life in a way. But what I was feeling as you were speaking to that was, I know I meet lots of people like every day that are even in the change industry and are unaware of how they are seeing the world, their Mm. relationship to the world and, and how that frames what they do see and what they don't see. Because our so I'm going to use a big word now, ontological perspective, our ontology, the way that we view the world is, of course, a reflection of the inner work that we've done with ourselves. And, you know, when I look out on the world, Laurie, there's a lot of people who don't even know what we're talking about. Right, right. <laughs> right. So I almost, as you were talking, it was like I saw this almost like this divine circle of us doing our inner work so that we can see the changes in front of us. Now, I don't want to paraphrase you. So is is that how you would describe the importance of the inner journey? Because in a way, what we believe and what we don't believe, you know, what we see and what we don't see is kind of a reflection of what we know or don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. I think... Um... You know, you mentioned leading from the feminine and there are, mm. there are exercises. It's, it's more of a guide um, that I've used for years and coaching, coaching with women in retreats and everything. And um, some of the somatic awareness embodiment work that we do in, in the book that I do in conversation, that I do lifetime with whoever is around <laughs> and wanting to do it, <laughs> um, is just that it's understanding where we are existing in our bodies as we share, as we listen, as we witness, as we experience um, everything transpiring around us. And I love what you're sharing because where we exist in our bodies um, creates filters, right? So let's say I came onto this call with you and I was triggered by something or I was really nervous or had whatever it was. I was in one of my old stories and I I noticed that I was in the point, the place in my body where I feel those experiences. Mm. Now, had I been there and had I engaged in this conversation, everything would have been filtered through those traumas and through those experiences, right? But unless I paused and checked in with my body, I would never know. I would think Jane and I are having a great conversation and, but it would miss, right? There wouldn't be the connection. I wouldn't be sharing the way I wanted to be sharing. You wouldn't, it it would miss because there would be a filter in place. Now the opposite invitation or the other side of that invitation for me is the heart, the heart consciousness, right? How do I drop into that space? activate my heart and understand that what I want to share, that's my point of connection to all of life, right? That's that point of interconnection for all of us. That web of consciousness flows through our hearts. Mm. So what you were seeing, right? That kind of divine circle, um, doesn't matter what work we stand up and profess, right? If, like you said, if, if it's a change maker, if it's, um, you know, someone who feels like they have a menial job that they aren't that doesn't inspire them 
if we show up connected in that heart space, we change, we change, Mm -hmm. we change ourselves, we change the experiences of those we interact with. It's a really powerful thing. And what I love about what you're sharing is it gets us out of our heads Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we live in a world that's kind of very heady, especially in the leadership and the business space, right? It's almost like we think we need to fix things and figure it out and cognitively like, you know, we should know whatever it is, but you're speaking here about a deeper felt sense. Mm. And And I would even say what you're describing for me is even deeper than that because and it might just be me projecting I don't know I'll out myself but if I if I drop into my heart then I can feel what what Jane feels let's put it that way but I hear you speaking to like a a, an even deeper sense of the heart which is Mm -hmm. what wants to emerge through me what wants expression through Mm -hmm. me and let me listen to that because that feels even different to just what Jane feels. It almost feels like beyond, I don't know, beyond me in some way. And it kind of bubbles up and emerges. Yeah. Hopefully without me filtering it, which I have a tendency to do sometimes. Well, I mean, everything, right? So go. <laughs> coming back to the eagle and the condor, like success, value, all of our our language is even, you know, how we define, how we value ourselves Mm -hmm. is all defined in the eagle. Um, So of course we hesitate and and pull back from some of the the sharings that we think people are going to go, oh yeah, she's cuckoo, she's lost it. Absolutely. Because it's like we've put the eagle on a pedestal, you know, and if you look at like our rational, scientific, data driven mindset, which kind of drives this Western world today, it, it, it's kind of, it's almost like we feel that what we're representing here is the condor is, is less than in Mm -hmm. some way it's not to be revered in the same way and it reminds me of a a book I read I think it's a couple of years ago and it may well have been you that recommended it to me but um that book called Cassandra Speaks oh um, yeah where they've rewritten the history from a female perspective it just left me stunned that book because I hadn't realized the bias, the male masculine bias that I'd internalized without even realizing in a way. So this feels like a really important threshold for us. But what does it mean like the eagle and the condor in the modern world? Like, can you give us some sense of what that means for just, you know, ordinary folks listening to this? How does this become real for them? So, um, so you know, for a couple of years, I went back and forth to the border, to the Arizona-Mexico border from Colorado. Every month drove down and, and worked with um, migrant women and children on the border. And now I continue to go um, down. I have a retreat in September where I work with humanitarian aid workers in along the same lines, right? Your question, like, what does this, how does this play out today? What's the greater invitation? Like how do each of us individually hold this space and how can it create powerful change? And I think one of the, for me, one of my greatest areas of focus right now is how do I not turn away, right? Don't turn away, keep watching everything that's happening today. How do I stand in front of these mothers who have come thousands of miles and are stopped and don't know how to take care of their kids? How do I stand in front of these kids who are alone? How do I wake up in the morning and see the headlines of what's going on? How do I look outside the window and see smoke? How how do I do all this and not um, and hold that condor heart? Right? How do I stay in the space of the condor? while also acknowledging and honoring and not diminishing the experiences of anybody else. 
And so a great part of my work right now is finding that embodied presence, activating my heart. I literally touch my hands on my chest, um, slow my breath and wait for my heart to respond, bring my awareness to that point of connection. And once I know that I've activated my heart and that is the filter I'm using, I stand in front of whatever there is that needs acknowledging. And I hold those stories and I hold that truth for that person, for that experience. And at the same time, I hold, so I'm holding, for those of you who can't see me, I have both of my hands out now, <laughs> palms up. So in one hand, I hold the challenging experience, right? Allowing it to be honored. And in the other hand, at the exact same level, I create an equal playing field and I hold the truth of everyone's inherent right to peace and freedom and happiness. And that's all living things. That's the trees, that's the blades of grass, that's my dogs, that's the birds, that's the, you know, the families, it's everybody. And I hold them together side by side. And I feel deeply in my heart, right? And I, I try to honor the pain and then I try to bring it all back to that space of activation and understand that what I hold in that moment, I am putting out to the world. It's my, my vibration, the song that I'm choosing to share. And I'm not doing it in a way that discredits the experiences of others. I'm doing it in a way that opens a door for change. I say, I see you and I honor you and I know this doesn't have to be your truth. This isn't your truth. This isn't your inherent right. And so I hold them together. And I really believe that that's one of the most beautiful invitations in front of us right now. And I, so I um, was in the, the Amazon in Ecuador a year ago, last June. And one of the communities that I visited the, were called the Sapara, the Sapara people. And one of the greatest gifts that I learned while I was in this community was that they're guided by the wisdom of the neutral spirit. And to them, the neutral spirit is a gift from nature. And it, their sharing is there is no right, wrong, good, or bad in nature. All just simply is. Mm. And that to me, influenced this practice right it took the labels away from everything it took the stories um that i would read where i used to get caught up and almost um swallowed in this in this phrase i don't understand i just don't understand and it i can like even as i say it i can like my heart hurts and i can feel my stomach activate right because it's a it's a help it's a helpless feeling, mm. and it was that gift of the neutral spirit that brought me back to that knowing of yeah there is no right wrong good or bad it's how we choose to hold it, and how we choose to hold it impacts the vibration that we then send out into the into the world. Mm. That is beautiful. I just want to honor what you've just said because when you started speaking, to me it felt heavy, right? Because I was then going into all my experiences and my frustration with different aspects of the world, the way it is, the way we're still perpetuating war, all these things I'm viscerally aware have the potential to bring me to my knees, right? Mm. And I mean that in a almost like a physical sense. It's like, yeah. like you're saying, I don't know. There's so much uncertainty. I don't know what to do. Right. Which is how we've been trained to think. Right. If there's something wrong, I need to do something to fix it. And as you were speaking there, Laurie, you just invited me into this beautiful space that I would call energetic resonance, which is it's not a space of doing. It feels like like you were saying you were holding the energy, the container, you were 
And, and I got this image as you were talking of not just holding space, but almost as you were holding the space, the energy of that was expanding mm. because you're holding it in love. You're holding mm. it with your heart. You're holding it in a different way than we're taught. We're not really taught to hold things, yeah. I, I might suggest. We're almost like, are we away from or toward? <laughs> Right? Yes. It's yeah. almost like this this space of presencing that you're referencing here feels really different. It feels mm. like, in a sense, may I be as bold as to say, this is the genesis of change. Mm. Is someone choosing to hold it in a way that we can all see it's not going to kill us to hold it it's not going to lead to our demise or you know we fall to our knees as has been some of my fears more recently but just in the very holding of it it almost feels more I'm gonna say manageable but that's not what I mean I don't really have the language for this but it just feels like you're with power with Mm -hmm. the change Mm -hmm. and in that People can look at it, they can see it, you can look at it, you can see it in all of its texture and glory, but also you can get curious, which feels like, I'm going to try this on because I don't feel like I've fully done it in the way you described. Mm. And I love the resonance in what you're describing because very often as sacred change makers, we think, okay, there's a problem. We need to do something (laughs) like, okay, we need to activate. Yes. And maybe, just maybe there's a different way for us to hold something. Because until it's held, it can't be seen, can't be nurtured. You know, it, it, maybe it can't shift and change in the same way as if we're trying to force something on it. Maybe there is a dialogue to be had. I don't know. I'm just speaking from the heart with you here, my friend. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And it's, um, yeah, I love it. It, It's, I was remembering as you were sharing all that, you know, for even in, in that book, I, I talk about how we've become disconnected. And since I've published that book in my current writing, I'm like, no, no, that was, I was wrong. (laughs) What's wrong? We're not just, we've never been disconnected. We never can be disconnected, right? We've just forgotten. We're in a deep slumber and um, awakening can be frightening and it can be beautiful and it can be everything all at once. And that practice we just shared and you're, you're building on that opportunity in front of us is that awakening, right? We don't mm-hmm. say, I'm going to turn away from what's happening because I want the world to be different. That's not how it changes, mm-hmm. right? right? We say, I see you. I see you. Gosh, I feel you. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And I know your truth. Mm-hmm. I know what we could, what can be. And that feels like a soul dialogue, which yeah. is not where a lot of our conversation lies today in the western world you know and as you said that word remembered and that sort of language so that's language I use we've forgotten and now we're remembering I just got this really strong vivid image in my head that we're not remembering we've just become distracted Mm. (laughs) right we thought it was this thing over here and in the short-term thinking that probably seemed like a really good idea (laughs) right (laughs) Right. At the time, it probably, you know, it's kind of a bit like the Maya Angelou saying, like, I'm coming back round to this idea that we did the best we could when we did when we could. And now we know better. Mm. We need to do better. So it's almost like now in the longer term of looking at how our economy and our businesses and our politics and all these systems are playing out in the world, we're realizing, oh, there's long-term implications we weren't aware of potentially if I give ourselves the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. right if I'm being very generous of spirit here that's what I would say and it's like 
to me, the key question of this time is, yeah, we have this prophecy, but now we know, what will we do differently? Mm. Condor rising. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. So, I'm ready. Yeah, so condor rising. So mm. who are you speaking to and who is it that you want to listen to this story so that we can start to co-create a new journey for our mm. future? So, you know, um, I want everybody to listen to this story. Right? <laughs> Just, I, I personally, in my work, create opportunities for women and, right. and you know, create retreats and work with women and have an online community for women. And, and women have always been my focus. Um, but this is for everybody. This is for everybody. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to, to share with you um, there's this man, Arkan Loshwala, and he wrote this book, Deer and Thunder. And in the book, he asks, which waters were damaged first, the ones of women or the ones of the earth? And that to me um, is my answer to your question because I truly, truly believe that women need to heal the water that we need to heal the water that flows through us mm. and understand that by healing our waters, we're participating in the healing of the earth. It's a really powerful invitation. And while I want this story, this sharing to reach everyone, my hope and my desire with everything I do is that it stirs a deeper calling in women and that you actually feel the water in your body respond that you feel you feel the goosebumps right you feel that that knowing that longing um to participate mm. and so, understand the power sorry just the power mm. of um the power in front of us heal the, heal the waters that flow through the planet it's all connected. Okay, sorry, I cut you off. No, because I was just like, wow, that's a very different perspective with the water. And it was reminding me of the Japanese guy whose name I can't remember right now. Dr. Emoto. Emoto that did all the crystalline structures of the water after preying on them or giving them emotions or whatever, and how they they healed the structure of dirty, polluted or unhealed water yes. you know through this and now you're talking about like the waters that run through the body that's not a connection I often think mm. about so can you tell us a little bit more about the water because it almost feels like um so I'm going to say this out loud I've never said this before ever in my life which it feels like an <laughs> honoring of the nature within Wow. Of, of the animal that is Jane's physical body. Mm -hmm. So this is all of, I love that. I love that. And it, yes, <laughs> um, this is all of my writing right now. It's about women, consciousness, mm -hmm. and water, the, the consciousness of water and the wisdom of the heart. Um, but yes, Dr. Emoto, right? He, for those of you who don't know, Google him, you'll find all sorts of things, mm -hmm. but he, he would, he would, you know, water that was given um, words of love created these beautiful crystals. Water that was given words of hate got murky and dark. And the most fascinating to me was the water that was completely ignored was in the worst state, right? So when we say don't turn away, you're actually doing the most damage. So we see this play out in water in Petri dishes. Well, we are water, right? Mm -hmm. at, our, at the end of our adult stages, we're still 70% water. So you think about, these are just thoughts and words that are having this impact on the water that's sitting on a desk in front of someone. Well, they're obviously having impacts on the water that flows through us. So our thoughts and our words are impacting our health, our ability to be the change 
our ability to share our gifts, our ability to trust in our own beautiful sacred power. And then you think we're, re we re we're releasing that water, right? That water mm -hmm. is going out and mingling with the rest of the waters on the planet. Um, it's a powerful invitation. Mm -hmm. And it's a powerful opportunity for us to say, okay, right now in this moment, the words that I use and the thoughts that I'm using can heal the waters of the world. Now that feels like a huge, huge leap. And it's also so absolutely true. It's interesting because I speak about energy in a similar way that you're talking about water, but there's something very visceral and tangible about the water. And, and I've always thought of water as being spirit and soul for me. I yeah. And when I'm disconnected from bodies of water, <laughs> I always feel disconnected. With, when, of course, I'm not, it's just an illusion, but like to get right. to the ocean or get to a huge lake or, or just feel a river flowing feels absolutely, I grew up by the seaside, so it feels very visceral to me when a body of water is missing from my life, which when yes. I lived in California, sometimes it did feel that way because it was so dry, <laughs> the land. Yeah. Um, but here in, 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 in Ohio, I'll go seek out the rivers, the streams, the whatever, just to get that. And it's also been a key part in my own personal healing. Yes. So there's a, there's an anchor point here for me, which feels really visceral, Laurie. And it's almost like, I was reading this book, Presence. It came out in 2009 and I found it in a secondhand bookshop recently. I used to have it um, a long time ago and I don't know, I didn't read it fully or I skim read it, but I was reading it and there's a guy in there called Joseph Jaworski and um, he was talking about his granddad and he said his granddad had this story that, you know, if he was ever feeling not well or ill, he used to get himself a, a pail of water and he would sit and bless the water. And then he would uh, wash himself in the water and he'd be healed. Right? Mm. And this is what he taught his grandson, Joseph. And jo Joseph said, I never really got it until I saw Emoto's work. And ah. then I realized that my granddad from all these decades ago knew something that we've lost in our current culture. It's like a a teaching that came down through the generations that, you know, just kind of got lost somewhere in our modern world. But now we're starting to see the quantum world feed these things back to us in a way that is more scientific. So, of course, we can accept it better. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. just like it makes me want to go and like it makes sense to me now why I needed a hot tub when I was healing all those years yeah. ago, why I need it. And I would always sit and thank and honor the water. I've, I've just kind of naturally done that. But you're taking it to a whole new level for me, something that I want to be aware of, because it feels again like a calling, a calling to the. I don't want to say primal, but it's almost like mm. the ancestors are inviting us into, like you said, remember. To well, remember. and I love, I love that you just brought it back to the ancestors because, um, you know, we, the, the planet is a closed circuit. So the water that's on the planet right now has been on the planet for its entire existence. And the science has shown us that water you know, we need that link to science to keep it, to keep ourselves grounded still. <laughs> um, but science has shown us that water stores memory, that it has consciousness. So take it back to this closed circuit. The water that's here has always been here. I daily now walk to this mountain stream and put my hands in. And I know that in that moment, the water flowing over me is water that my ancestors, you know, it's, it is directly connected to our ancestors and to the experiences past. And we're creating a connection to the experiences in the future. It brings it back to that, you know, that, that um, indigenous wisdom of seven generations past and seven generations forward. For me, it's the water. It's the water we hold in our bodies. And are we gonna heal it now, right? And send that out then? to mingle with the other waters 
Right. And I love that. And that feels like such a sublime invitation mm. that all of us can start to consider because it's almost like a different lens to view your own body and, and, and your relationship with life through, yeah. which feels important. Now, you mentioned before that you'd been to Ecuador and you've been with some indigenous tribes there. And I know that that felt like a calling to you, but I know there's been a deepening in that calling mm. more recently. So I'd love you to speak to that because last time you did talk about the condor rising, yeah. but now here we are at this inflection point. So what's deepening for you in this space, Laurie? Because I know you've been called to go back. So please tell us why. <laughs> I have, I have. So all of this that I've been sharing about the water um, really came to me. Um, in dreams and in, in you know, while I was a, awake and um, in the primary rainforest in the Ecuadorian Amazon and um, the sharing of both the Sapara and the Achua communities, you know, being around people who have never been, who have never forgotten. I almost said disconnected, who have never <laughs> forgotten. Um, it's hard to break those habits. Um so the Sapara, Manari, is the, is the name of their spiritual leader for their community. And he has been sharing for about three months now that it's coming to him. Everything that they do um, is based on their dreams, both those communities. And he's been seeing very clearly in his dreams that women are meeting up in the spirit world to weave a new design for humanity. So I reached out through Pachamama Alliance, which is who I went with last June and said, I've listened to Manari now share this message um, for months and let's do it. How do we, as women of the North, um, how do we sit with, with our sisters in the South? And how do we, how do we learn and viscerally understand um, as we sit with these women who have never forgotten and who continue to receive these really important um, downloads of wisdom. What does that look like? And then as women of the North, how do we come back and how does that inform our journey? How does it teach us to really heal the water flowing through ourselves? Um, and that's my piece, right? I know for all the women who are called to Join me. I'm going down again in October. Um, I know for all the women, including yourself, who's coming, that are um, that are feeling called to join this. I know we're all bringing our own peace. There is, and that's that's the biggest. When we talk about change, right? Bringing it back to that question you asked me, um, we all bring a different piece to the change the world needs. And P I E C E. We all bring our own gifts. And for me, there's this incredibly powerful calling. I, I need the next level of connection, participation, um, embodied experience to step even deeper into the work I am meant to do. And I know that everyone's showing up and saying yes to come on this trip and to sit with the women you know, from these communities. This is the first time they've had this opportunity. A lot of, a lot of trips move through their communities and the men are the guides. And they're beautiful men. They have incredible things to share. Um, but this is the first time from even the men in the communities are saying, yeah, the women are ready. Come sit with them. Um, so I know what my journey is, and I know what my trajectory is, and it's everything that I've shared with with you and your in, incredible community here today. Um, and I think the beauty of anything and everything that we that we witness, that we watch, that we listen to right now, with all these different podcasts and all of the ways we can gather information is to take all of it that's being offered and think that is amazing that they are on that journey. What's mine? What's mine? 
And that is why I'm going back into the jungle in October. Yeah. And that's why I'm coming too, because, you know, just to be really honest so that the audience can hear, I didn't think I was coming. Jane's head said no. And then in talking to you, it just became inevitable. It's, it's a calling. Mm. Like I, I felt called to be there. I'm not sure why yet. And I love the freedom for me to find that out for myself. But there is something that I do know. And it's that I think I'm ready to confront the truth and the pain Mm. of where we Mm. are. And I love that you said they're guided by the neutral spirit because I believe that's something I need to learn Mm. because I do feel brought to my knees by a lot of our mainstream news and media and what we're doing in the Ukraine and all these different things that are happening right now. It's so easy to be aware of all of the negativity in the world because it's what we perpetuate through media. And so balancing that out in some ways, I think is going to be an important point for me personally, Mm -hmm. but I haven't been ready to confront it before, Laurie, if I'm honest, but I am now. And I, I love what you've taught me on this call about holding the energy because I literally am going to start practicing that because I already hold quite a container for a number of things but that feels an expansion in what you Mm. were talking about there that I really want to practice so what is your hope if you have one for the women attending this with you You know, this this journey is different than anything I've ever done or pulled together. Um, I'm not marking, marketing it the way I would a retreat or, you know, a course, anything. Um, I know, I know really deeply in my heart and everything that the women who are going to show up and say yes to this opportunity in front of us, um, are feeling the calling, maybe not knowing what it was, right? But they feel something deeper stirring in them. And this is the first trip of its kind. I don't know if there will be more. Um, But I do know the women who have said yes so far and the women who are going to continue to say yes and show up, um, they've done the soul work. They, they are aware that they're here to, to make a difference. They know that their role in this lifetime, their gift to humanity is to be a sacred change maker. Mm-hmm. Now, what that path is, um, I don't know that I'll ever be clear on what my path is, but I know I keep stepping forward, right? And every time I step right. forward, it's, it's just, um, amazing and incredible. And so my hope for the women that come together around this is that we together have our own incredible um, experiences, gain our own individual um, deeper understanding really of, of our soul purpose. And then I'm so excited for what's going to happen on the other side of it, because I know (laughs) however many of us sit together in the Ecuadorian jungle. When we come back, (laughs) back here, we got big things to do. (laughs) I can't wait. You know, and you're speaking there to something that is also another threshold for me, which is our, I'm going to say, our our need for hyper-individualization in the West. Mm -hmm. So you just described there your hope in terms of the individuals. But I know, right, and I know, know, that what's going to be different about this is that's not all there is. I feel there's a co-creative collective. I don't know. even have the language for it. But I almost feel like there's a co-creation, not just with the women of the North, but of course with the women of the South too. And I I just wondered like, what 
so I would say in the Western language, like what's in it for them, which sounds very direct and harsh, but it's almost like how will this trip serve the indigenous mm. communities there? Because I feel that's important too. It feels like the energetic oh, yeah. exchange. You know? Oh, yeah. So uh, these communities, right, benefit financially from from uh, from us going in. Now, aside from that, that's not the most important thing. Although it's it's a beautiful piece, right? Yes. Pachamama um, supports them in a beautiful way. I have a dear friend, Mona Palaka, who's a Hopi grandma. And I said to her, I asked her once, um, we were in conversation and, and I was talking about the evil and condor prophecy. And I said, it, it's a, who am I, this little blonde woman, right? To be sharing this prophecy. And she said, Lori, some people can only hear things from people who look like them. So you need to take everything that's being shared with you. Always honor it. Always honor where it came from. Where's the wisdom from, right? Don't ever own it, but share it as far and wide. And that to me is the greatest gift we are going to bring. You know, there you'll see those of you who say yes and are feeling called, you'll see we're deep <laughs> in the jungle and they, they do have cell phones that they have for when they go to the city so they can connect. Um, but we all have networks and avenues um, to share, mm. to share what is coming through to them in such powerful, huge ways. They need, they need our voices and, we, and they need voices that are going to honor them, mm. that are going to truly communicate what they're what they're sharing and I know that those are the women who are going to show up I love that so of course if you are interested and you are feeling called please check out the links below in the show notes because um, all the links for the books that we've mentioned the bodies of work that we've mentioned everything will be underneath in the show notes and you can go and dive and find out a little bit more about this trip and perhaps you'll want to join Laurie and myself <laughs> And come to the Ecuadorian jungle because it's going to be life-changing. I just feel mm. that. And I'm so honoured that you invited me and so happy to be along for what yeah. feels like a very deep calling for us women from the north. <laughs> so I'm beginning mm. to think of myself in this yeah. way. So yeah. Laurie, thank you so much for coming oh. and sharing all of this. It feels like such a pertinent, like, conversation for us to be having today it really does but I, I just want to ask you one final question as I bring our conversation to a close and it's just simply this if there's something you wanted to share today or maybe it's something we didn't get to or maybe it's just some words of wisdom to share with our audience what might it be mm. you know I think my greatest wish is for all of us to believe and trust that we can make a difference and we can make a difference right here, right now. And that it's that simple. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be massive. Um, there's a simple, maybe not easy um, opportunity in front of us all right now. And we can all change what we're experiencing. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, my friend. It's uh, such a joy to have you, you back on the podcast. So good. Thank you. I talk to you all day. <laughs> okay, my friend. I just know that our listeners will just have loved this conversation because it's so current. It's so ripe and it feels so alive for so many of us right now. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. And before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community, who are helping us to make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And you know, if you're looking for a little more soul in your life and business, if you maybe have a sense that you too have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, 
I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intentions and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.